0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to Lord, O Lord. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetriarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetriarch of the region of Iteriae and Trachonitis and Licinius was Tetrarch of Albion, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the desert. John went throughout the whole region of, of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The winding world shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. And all the flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Well, happy second Sunday of Advent. And as before we get into these amazing, amazing, amazing readings, just a few announcements. Um, there's a, a rumor, I don't know if it hit Loyalton, but there's rumors spreading in Portola that the church there got robbed in Portola. We didn't get robbed, so we get robbed. But on Thursday at 1 a.m. in the morning, I had to call the police, though. <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night, somebody was screaming outside of the rectory. And I was just kind of dragging and I woke up, and I looked outside, and there was a gentleman just screaming, screaming, acting erratically outside the house. And he was screaming about monkeys or something. And I said, monkeys? Oh, no, there's monkeys out the loose. And so I was watching. He was just acting erratically. And, and, and all of a sudden, I saw him run towards the church. And I guess I left the door unlocked. So that was my fault. I left the door unlocked, and he ran into the church. And he was running around in the church. I said, Oh no, you got a guy running around in the church. And so it was one in the morning. I'm, what do I do? Do I go in there by myself in my pajamas and, and try to get him out of that church? And so it's always unnerving because you have no idea what you're going to walk in there. If he's on drugs, he's, he's drunk, he's mentally ill, you, you don't know if he's going to be violent or not. So I had to call the sheriff department. And amazingly, they were there within three minutes of the call. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So there, within three minutes, he came, and then we went through the front door, and as we walked in, of course, I was behind the sheriff deputy, you know, <laughs> I was behind him. I was looking you know, over his shoulder. <laughs> and there he was, this gentleman was there, and the deputy asked him, said, what are you doing in here at one in the morning? And he said, I'm putting up Christmas lights for Jesus. <laughs> and the deputy looked at me and said, is he supposed to be in here? I said, no. <laughs> and... And then luckily he left with that incident and he was fine. So I'm gonna be locking the doors more, uh, more securely at night. And so that's what happened. If anybody asks if, if people are wondering about if the church got robbed, it didn't. We just had a guy looking for monkeys in the church. So praise the Lord. But speaking of Christmas lights, we're almost ready to, to flip the switch in Portola and to light up the entire place again. We went even crazier this year and amazingly too. By the way, I don't know if you've driven through Portola in the evening time, but people are saying that they've never seen the amount of lights in town before as, as it is now. They've, they've seen so many, diff- so many more Christmas lights. And I think it has to do with us from last year. You know, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking uh, we have something to inspire the people. Because I want when us, when they look at the church in Portola, I want people to see those Christians in that building. They love that Jesus guy. So, so, that's the, so that's the goal. So hopefully by this Wednesday, we're going to flip the switch, and we will be the most lightest building in Plumas and Sierra counties. That's the goal. We're going crazier this year. So stay away from monkeys. Let's dive into these amazing readings. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered what God looks like when he stares at you? It's not weird. It's a weird question. What do you think God looks like? What do you think he feels in his heart when he gazes upon you? Yes, God looks at you. What do you think the God of the universe, when he looks upon you, what do you think is happening in his heart? What do you think he, when he gazes upon you? What, what do you think? He, what happens to his to his own face? Have you wondered that? It's, it's a weird question. Yeah. I had an insight into this last week. I was in my garage in, in in Portola, just cleaning it up, and a family comes up to me. They saw me, and they were looking for their daughter. If you're on social media, you may have seen this, this young lady's face, but there was a young lady that was missing. She's probably in her late teens, early 20s. I'm not quite sure. And the family said, and they gave me the description They showed me a picture of her. They said, Father, have, have you seen her? We're looking for her. She's missing. Because there was rumors in town that she was in that part of Portola. Yeah, nobody, uh, sadly, I didn't, I didn't recognize her. But the look of that woman's face Looking for that daughter. Worry, dread, a longing. That was God's face in a way. In the Gospel, we have that strange figure of John the Baptist. John the Baptist appears on the scene around the year 30, more or less. He appears on the scene, and notice precisely where he is geographically. Again, remember, to delve deeper into sacred scripture, look at it from the perspective of a first century Jewish person. Because these scriptures were written for Jews, by Jews, and so all of the details are just jam-packed with meaning. It's kind of lost on us, 21st century people. So notice where he is. Where is he baptizing and preaching a spirit of repentance? Where precisely is he? At the Jordan River, isn't he? Now, if you're a first century Jew, okay, you see John the Baptist at the Jordan River, immediately what you're going to think about is, what happened at the Jordan River? Every first century Jew immediately would have thought of the first Exodus. Remember, When Moses took the Jewish people out of Egypt, freed them for 40 years, they wandered in the desert all the way to the promised land. 12 tribes. They're journeying to the promised land there. And then Moses dies. And there they are. They're looking upon the promised land. But before they can get there, after Moses dies, his son Joshua takes over. And they cross a river to inherit the promised land. What river was that? the Jordan River. So they cross the Jordan River, all 12 tribes. They go there and they begin to build up the family of God in this new kingdom of Israel. All 12 tribes. So every Jewish person, when they hear the Jordan River, they may think of, ah, Exodus. This is where we crossed over. But in the year 722 B.C., the Assyrian Empire is the power of that region. And they come in, and the 8th century, wipe out 10 of the tribe, of the 12 tribes of Israel. 10 of the 12 tribes. Now imagine that from that perspective of a parent. Look at it from God's perspective. If you lost a child, If if they were missing, you would do anything to get them back. I dare say, every parent in here now, think, if your child was missing, would you not die to get them back? Absolutely. Every parent in here would die to get their child back. And you would never forget them, would you? If, If your child was missing, say, for 50 years, sometimes you hear stories of children who were kidnapping... They're gone for fifty years, and and there's there's an, even an inkling of hope that they're still alive. Every day for fifty years, you would wake up and think about them, wouldn't you? You would never forget them. So now look at it from God's perspective. Ten of the tribes of Israel gone. Ten of his children, missing. Do you think God would forget them? No. Absolutely not. So when the ten tribes of Israel were wiped out and scattered, God promised that one day he would send a Messiah into the world. And part of the mission of the Messiah would be to gather in the lost tribes of Israel, to gather them back home, to bring them in, that they were lost and scattered, but God will one day bring them back because for eight centuries, he never forgot. Because God's heart is the heart of a father. Answer, John the Baptist. He went throughout the whole region of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist now is applied here that he is the voice of one crying out in the desert, of the desert prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. What the gospel here is pointing to is that John the Baptist is the precursor for this mysterious messianic figure who would come into the world now whom they've been waiting for who would bring about this 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 coming together this searching of the lost tribes of israel so that is why immediately when when john the baptist is baptizing into the jordan river we have it not in this particular account of john the baptist but in the other gospels there's a powerful detail, and again, as, as Mass-going Catholics, you would recognize this phrase because you hear it every single time you go to Mass. You'll hear it yelling at you when you receive Holy Communion. Remember, when John the Baptist was at st- uh, the Jordan River, as John the Baptist is waiting for the Messiah, he sees Jesus coming at him. What does John the Baptist say immediately? He recognizes, "Eche aniusdei, day, quitole peccati mundi. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Him who takes away the sins of the world. Do You see, at that moment, when John, when John the Baptist is baptizing, he sees Jesus. He says, it is time. It is time now. God has arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. in order to bring back the lost tribes of Israel, his lost children. How many apostles does Jesus call? 12, that's evocative immediately for the first century Jew, 12 for the tribes of Israel and it was utterly clear Jesus is going to bring back and rebuild the 12 tribes. But then notice the next detail as the gospel continues to unfold. John the Baptist proclaims the baptism of repentance. The first words out of the mouth of Jesus, what were they? The first words out of the mouth of our Lord and Savior. First words out ever recorded out of his mouth. Repent. Repent. Hmm. Do you see a pattern starting to build? When Jesus ascends into heaven and he says that he he sends the Holy Spirit upon the 12 apostles, the first Catholic priests, what is the first gift that Jesus gives his priests? Hint, it says that Jesus breathed on them. Breathed on them. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Those whose sins you retain are retained. Those whose sins you forgive are forgiven. The first command he leaves us priests is to hear your sins. Why? Now, again, now look at it from the perspective of a father who longs for his children to come home. What is the greatest separator of us to God? What separates us from God? What makes us lost from him? It's not, geograph- it's not geographical. It's not that I'm here, God's over there, and I'm separated from him. No, no. What separates us from God? Sin. Sin destroys our relationship with him. That is why first words out of the mouth of John the Baptist, repent. First words out of the mouth of Jesus Christ, repent. First gift given to the church, commandment to go out, go out into the whole world. Here's people's sins. Because God is trying to heal the rift and to gather his children back again. Do you see now why he does that? Look at it from the perspective of a father who longs to have his children back. And then you will begin to understand more profoundly why Jesus was willing to die on a cross.